Welcome to Oshiokio, our Sailor Moon podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Isha, and in this episode we'll be talking about episodes 140 to 145 of Sailor Moon Super S. Yay! I forgot how many episodes are in this season. It's long. It's, I think it's an episode shorter than S. Is it? I think so. I think it's 38 episodes. Maybe it feels super long just because the way R was split up. Maybe, but um, yeah, I think it's R- thirty-eight. It's thirty-eight episodes, and this is um, thirteen through six, thirteen through eighteen. Excuse me. Yeah. So, yeah, we're about halfway, almost a third of the way through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I actually, for the most part, enjoyed this next batch of episodes. I mean, a lot of them have this some of the same ongoing problems. Yeah. But maybe it's just because I like Fisheye a lot more than uh, Tiger's Eye. Well, it's because Tiger's Eye is the worst. Tiger's Eye is the worst. Um, just con- consistently. Uh, I didn't like the last episode in this batch, but we'll get to it when we get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. uh... Yeah, we'll get into it. But I yeah, really, so we're... S- Go ahead. I really did like uh, episode 140 with the fashion show. Yeah, me too. I love the way the episode opens with all of these models and these outfits. You know, there's no explanation. It's just we're just right in the middle of a fashion show in the park. Yeah, it's cute. And some of the designs are actually really cute, so I can see why the girls are having a good time with it. What I was surprised by was how well those designs would work now. Yeah. Like, maybe oh, not some well, of I the mean, prints, but the the cuts were definitely something that could work now. Oh, yeah. Well, we have, you know, we have a, a 90s and early 2000s throwback fashion right now. Anyway. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have an early 2000s throwback because it was bad at the time and it's bad now like well here we are (laughs) i know but i don't please don't bring back low-rise jeans us fat girls can't handle it it's okay it's okay because mid-rise and high-rise are still around i mean yeah as long as mid-rise sticks around like i like a good mid-rise i don't like high-rise like i'm I guess evenly proportioned, so low-rise doesn't quite work, and high-rise doesn't quite work, but mid, perfect. I like high-rise. I like high enough rise that my grandma would be wearing them. <laughs> For me, it just cuts off my torso at, like, a really weird area, so it just it just looks wrong, and, like, I've got a bigger belly, so it's just, like, are you wearing maternity pants? Or should you just give in and wear maternity pants because the high-rise ain't doing it? Yeah, I like to do a vintage style, so I like that um, Mm -hmm. waistline. I like defining my waistline. But anyway, so the fashion show is really cute. Everybody's watching it. And uh, the decider himself, though, is, is he seems like he's getting burnt out. Yeah, he comes out at the end, and everyone's clapping for him, and they say that he's a designer who designs with the idea of the feelings and passions of young women in mind. But like you said, Mm -hmm. he looks burnt out at the end. 
Yeah. And uh, then then we see Fisheye being cute because he just bought one of the outfits. And uh, Hawkeye and Tiger's Eye are just being gross like usual. Yeah, so of course he so of course the the designer you see is one of the targets uh in the pictures and Hawkeye and Tiger's Eye are like ugh another man. So Fisheye of course goes for it. And Hawkeye literally says there should be a law against men having beautiful dreams. And like manga Hawkeye would never. <laughs> I'm just saying. And well, you know, I know it's like I mean, I'm sorry. All three of those characters are very flamboyant, and it's like you're telling me two out of the three are straight. Nah, right? It's just you. Hawkeye has his whole chest out. He's got just like yeah. a like the way his his like scarf his the clothing around his chest is tied. It's just like, honey. Don't try to tell me you're straight. <laughs> yeah. I like the American voice actors don't try to play it straight, which I appreciate. That's They good. just, yeah, no, they just full-blown full make it as, as flamboyant as possible. And you need to. Like, I don't know how else you'd be able to play those characters, you know? <laughs> so it's just, they just go like, full drag? Oh, they're all divas, and it's great. Um, I love it. I love it. Fisheye is still my favorite. Fisheye, uh, Fisheye's voice actor, I, I first, because Fisheye is very non-binary, right? He's constantly mm-hmm. cross-dressing. His voice actor sounds very feminine sometimes. So at first I was like, wait, did they do what they did in, in the original? Is this a girl? And I was mm-hmm. listening closer. It's like, no, this this is... This is a guy, and um, it's just really well done. Uh, I, I've actually, as much as we've been hating on this season, mm-hmm. the the voice cast has really, um, they've really done their a good job. Like, oh, that's I'm one glad thing. To hear it. Yeah, that's one thing I have no complaints about at all. Is this this new um, English dub is really great, really great. That's great to hear. Like, I, I don't obviously remember, like, the original Cloverway dub because I only <sighs> saw I only saw the Cloverway dub for S. And when I had Super S on DVD, I was like, guess who's never listening to the English dub? It's this girl. Yeah. All you need is to hear one Pluto deadly scream. And um, I won't do it again. No, please don't. I'm pretty sure, like, I'm pretty sure if I said, like, that's what causes my depression. I wouldn't be too far off. <laughs> no! No, no, no. Uh, no, it's no, they not, really... It's not that bad, but... <laughs> it's pretty bad, though. Um, yeah, it's pretty bad. But yeah, no, no complaints. Uh, so back to the episode, though. Yes! Of course, we've got to follow Chibiusa, because Chibiusa has to have her little powwow with Pegasus. And, oh, don't say uh, that. Don't say that. Don't say that. Say it again, what? but without the powwow. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That is not mm-hmm. PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got to... So, then we cut to Chibiusa, and Chibiusa has her little meeting with Pegasus, and mm-hmm. um, the final... The final outfit in the fashion show was a wedding gown. So uh, she's drawing a wedding 
gown. And it's really cute. She has a little talk with Pegasus about um, wondering. Uh, he asked her, huh, who the, yeah. the room is so, going to be. So she, yeah, so she's imagining her wedding day and she's imagining the dress. And he's like, okay, but who would your groom be? And she's like, oh, yeah, I guess you have to be marrying someone in order to wear a wedding dress. Yeah. Uh, and she... She's thinking about it, and he kind of pushes a little bit, and she has nobody in mind, because, again, she's, like, eight, like, seven yeah. or eight. And it's, and it's really obvious that Pegasus is kind of jealous, but he never says anything. He's just kind of like, yeah, you would have to be marrying someone, and it kind of falls flat before we cut away to Usui again. Uh-huh. Uh, I did not like that scene. <laughs> Um, a lot of the scenes with Pegasus are kind of awkward. They really it's are. It's very, it's very ham-fisted, those scenes. They are. Like, I always feel like Chibius is a little bit out of character, because, I mean, I know she's a child, but it's literally the only time she acts like a child child. You know, like a sweet, she always has this cute, sweet, innocent, naive persona as when she's speaking with Pegasus and she's really not like that the whole rest of the time, you know? No, she's generally very sharp. And like, I think one of the things that always defines the difference between Chibiusa and Usagi is that Chibiusa is more mature. And so for Chibiusa to kind of not think about this, it it's weird that Chibiusa is just like, well, I guess who I marry would be my prince. I just haven't met him yet. Uh-huh. You know, whereas in this conversation with Pegasus, it's just kind of like, oh, I didn't think about that. Which, I honestly, didn't... is fair as a child, but not for Chibiusa. But not for Chibiusa, yeah. That's the thing, is it's just, there's this disconnect, because she's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> eh. Anyway, so he's hanging out at a cafe because he's lost his inspiration, um, and he's just not feeling it anymore. So he's just like draped over the back of a chair uh, at a cafe watching people pass by. And then he spots Fisheye walk past and he gets out of his chair and he runs up to Fisheye and he's like, please, like you have whatever it is he's looking for. You have the thing. Please uh, become my muse, become my model. And Fisheye is like, oh, is that okay? Even though I'm a guy, even though Fisheye's outfit like is very girly in that moment. Um, and Usui's like, yeah, like, whatever you have, it transcends gender. It doesn't matter if you're male. And I love that they said transcends gender. Yeah. I I also kind of want to point out, like, uh, Fisheye didn't do anything to, like, deceive him in that scene. Mm-hmm. Fisheye just showed up. Fisheye showed mm-hmm. up and walked by. And he's the one who's, like, seeking out Fisheye. You know? So... I just kind of want to point that out, because this is another one of those episodes where I'm like, mm, I kind of feel like Fisheye gets, uh, I don't want to say Fisheye does nothing wrong, because obviously Fisheye does. Well, I but... mean, we immediately, we immediately switch to Fisheye doing everything wrong. <laughs> no, we've switched to Fisheye being a diva. No, I mean, in the episode. Yeah. But the I know. behavior is wrong because in the next scene, we're at the atelier, like where he does all of his design work and has his team and Fisheye is getting measurements. And like, granted, I understand him being ticklish with the measuring tape. But then as 
that are pinning things to him to, like, get the shape right. He keeps moving, so they keep poking him. And he starts screaming at these poor people who are like, we can't work like this if you're not going to stand still. We have to use pins. And the main assistant is trying to defuse the situation and try to keep things calm because Fisheye has, like, inspired Usui, who is, you know, the person that they all need. And Fisheye is just throwing a fit and saying, like, well, I don't like this design anyway. Let me do some edits. And all of the people are like, we're not here for your designs. We're here for his designs. Yeah. Okay. But. <laughs> Hear me out. First of all, if Usui had an issue with Fisheye's design, Usui should have been the one putting his foot down. I think it was actually pretty catty of the people surrounding them to be like, no, now that you're collaborating with Usui, we are no longer going to be assisting. Uh, I don't mm. mind that because, like, clear, like we only see a snapshot, but it's clearly, like, fish I showed up and is like, I want to be in charge of everything and everyone. And they're yeah. trying to work with him because the assistant is like, calm down, it's going to be fine, let's just do this. But then as, like, fish is like, I'm going to completely take over and, like, do the designing myself... The assistant's like, hold on, we're here for Usui. And look, I got major vibes that Usui and his assistant are in love. Because, like, oh, the way yeah. they looked oh, at definitely. each other, I was like, this is a couple. Yeah, I had the same impression. Yeah. And then Fisheye is pissed. And it's like, if you don't fire this guy, I'm going to walk. And because Usui needs him right now in order to design, it's kind of like, they're all kind of quiet. Because it's just like, well, Fisheye can't leave because otherwise we can't work. But the assistant can't quit because he's been with Usui for so long. Like, this is his, this is like his first officer. And so the assistant is like, okay, you know what? I'm going to resolve this by quitting. So that way you don't have to make a choice. And it's fine. And he leaves. Yeah. And Fisheye, like, internally cackles. So, like, I was, I was not cool with Fisheye in this episode. (laughs) I am not cool with Fisheye being a diva. But also at the same time, you're telling me you're working in the modeling industry and you've never had to handle a diva before? (laughs) That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, this is part of the industry. Like, grow a backbone or just deal with the consequences. Go home. Well, I want to... Well, yeah, but it's clear that Usui is an up-and-comer in the industry. Like, he wouldn't have the experience with a real diva like that. You know, it's not like on the daily basis the people he hires are like Naomi Campbell-type divas. (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah. like I okay, he's not having, coming in expecting to have a model throw a phone in his face having been in theater in community theater I will tell you you will find divas at every level okay <laughs> I suppose but I also want to point out that like Japanese societal rules would be different as well okay so, you know, it's you also got to take that into account where, like, there's That's definitely true. a hierarchy. And so if you're brand new with no background and no, like, recommendations behind you, like, mm-hmm. you don't have the right to be a diva. Well, I'm not saying that Fisheye did anything okay. I'm just saying Usui should have done better. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think we can all blame Usui for not having a backbone and doing something about this because he was clearly in the wrong as well. Uh, Anyway, so so we see 
Mama Chen and Usagi in a shop because Usagi just wanted to look at Usui's fashion collection, but Usagi's making such a racket, like cooing over all of the outfits that the shopkeeper is like, buy something and get out. Like, this is and ridiculous. And they've been there for several hours. They've, they've been there by several hours by that point, right? Don't they say it's been like four or five hours or something? I don't know how many hours or it was, but it's been like a really long time. And the shopkeeper is like, get out. I want you to get out. And Mama Chan's like, okay, I'm not going to be able to like drag her out of here. So he's like, I will buy you an outfit if we can, if that means we'll leave. And Usagi's very touched. And so he buys an outfit and it shows his empty wallet later because he, he spent everything for this one outfit. And Usagi's thrilled. Um, Which is <laughs> Mama cute. Chan. He's really doing his best. Yeah. It is a really, yeah, but like the outfit is quite cute because I, I didn't care for the outfit it because cute. it's not my personal style, but it's kind of a very streetwearish sort of look, mm-hmm. but it's, um, it's not garish like a lot of the streetwear in the early nineties that we grew up with, you know, like think yeah. bright patterns and colors, like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air sort of types. Like it's oh, yeah. a bit more muted, but it's still very, um, it's still very edgy, I would say. Yeah, it was cute. I thought it looked really good on her. Mm-hmm. Too bad it's the only episode you ever see her wear it. I think it'd be cute if that was a recurring one of her recurring outfits. Gosh, it would be nice, but it's not part of like the <laughs> it's not part of the staple of outfits. Yeah. It's too bad. Anyway. Um anyway, so we go back to Usui's atelier because uh Fisheye has been doing all of these designs. The rest of Usui's team quits. They're straight up just like, anyway, bye. And they leave all together. Because they, we, we see all of the new designs that Fisheye has come up with. And they're all variations on a fish theme. And one of them is literally just a fish eating a person from the bottom up. Whatever, it's avant-garde. You just wouldn't understand. <laughs> I mean, I don't. This is why I collect artists, because I'm not one. It's hideous. It's brown, Kim. It's brown. It's like the... avant-garde. I don't remember the rest of them, but I looked at it and I was just like, I'm not objecting to a fish theme, but whatever the fuck this is, it's disgusting. (laughs) One of them is just... One of them has, like, a sea anemone for, like, the hat. It's got, like, a mini hat, but it's a sea anemone. And I, I like it. It's yeah, that works. And I, I mean, like sea anemones are pretty. But anyway, it's a whole thing. Isui leaves because he doesn't know what's happening to him. He's just very frustrated because, like, his, he lost his assistant. He lost his whole team. Um, he's really he's not really feeling those designs, so he just goes and, like, swings his frustration out in a park, which, like, I totally can relate to. Um, and that's when Isagi sees him. And I... F- I fucking love Usagi in this moment because she's straight up just like, oh, you're the fashion designer. And then, like, as they sit down and talk, she then boldly asks him, like, so this is kind of weird. And, like, I shouldn't be asking, but, like, when am I ever going to get the chance? But could you design my wedding dress for free? Uh Yeah. And he's literally, he's thrown for such a loop. He's like, what? (laughs) <laughs> but then he's like, wait a minute, why do you even like my designs? And she, she says a couple things, and on the third one, she's just like, mm, I don't know, I just like it. And he's kind, he's touched by it, but he also just, cut, you know, because when you're burnt out, you kind of don't understand. Um, 
and she realizes and goes like, are you in a slump? And he doesn't quite say anything, but he kind of moves a little to indicate that, yes, he is. And she's like, this is the perfect time to make my wedding dress to inspire you. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is another one of those scenes where I really appreciated the voice acting in English. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how she phrased it in Japanese. Uh, but in English, she says something when she approaches him. She says something like, um, I didn't want to ask you because I didn't want you to think that I was shameless. But then I realized that I am shameless. So, <laughs> and then she asked him. And it's then very... she's like, and then she's like, you think I'm shameless, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very similar because she knows she's asking a really rude thing to a complete stranger. Yeah. But she has to ask. And I really admire Usagi for just being bold enough to ask, for knowing that she's probably going to get a no. But yeah. he's, this cracks him up and he's like, yeah, he just, he's just like, yeah, of course. Like, look at this strange, bold creature who doesn't know me and is like, design my wedding dress for free. <laughs> so he's like, okay, like, I am now inspired to design you a wedding dress. And she's really happy. And he's like, that's what I've been missing. Like, I haven't enjoyed making things anymore, and now I really want to make a thing. So he returns to his atelier. He goes in, he sees all of the fisheye dresses, and he starts throwing them on the ground, saying, like, they're nothing better than kigurumis. Like, what was he thinking? See, and that's the part that I think is really screwed up. Because, like, he chose to collaborate with fisheye. He chose to, to stick with fisheye over his other assistants. He chose to let those designs go from being drawings on paper to actually, like, designs that have been sewn. And then he has a change of heart and, like, tosses them all to the floor. And I know fisheye was being a diva, but that's really screwed up. Like, that had to really hurt to, like, look over and be, like, him just thrashing everything. Be like, bro... He, you could at least follow through your with your fashion show, and then been like, okay, but next season is going to be a serious season, not an avant-garde season or something, you know? Hey Kim, don't you know that fashion designers can be divas too? Well, I know, but <laughs> he was not follow through. I think he should have just followed through. I don't think so. They weren't good. I don't think he should have followed through on them, especially because they weren't really his own designs, like fisheye was doing them yeah. and I don't think he really liked them. Yeah, but again, I think he just really wanted he really wanted something new. And I understand your perspective, but I yeah. can't be I can't I can't be on Fisheye's side in any way, shape or form. Like the designs yeah. weren't good. It isolated him from li- literally his whole team. I think he came back and just was like, I've lost literally everything for these designs that I don't even really like. Mm. You know? That's like, you know, it's it when someone loses everything mentally like that, you're just kind of like anybody who can make me produce again. And then if you take a step back and come back to what you produced with whatever it was that inspired you and you look at it properly and you're like, I don't know why I made these. I don't know why I went with, along with that. It's really easy to take advantage of people in a weak state. I guess I that's mean. true. Yeah, I, I can see that perspective, too. I just also kind of see him as being fickle, where it's like 
he liked fisheye and he liked fisheye's designs when when he felt like it was beneficial and then when he realized he didn't like the designs he seemed to have like no care at all anymore you know yeah but anyway he throws all the things to the ground fisheye is like what are you doing so he fires fisheye because he's like i don't know what i was thinking about keeping you around so fisheye's like all right time to attack and because usagi was going there, like, called Chibusons, like, we have to go there and, like, really nail down this wedding dress design by this guy. <sighs> so they're oh. both there when Fisheye attacks, so they transform. They appear to fight Fisheye. Fisheye's like, I just wanted to ask, aren't you guys ever embarrassed running around in those short skirts? And they look at each Showing other. Showing your underwear. <laughs> right, and they look at each other and they're like, no, should we be? Like, what's wrong with this and i love that that's their reaction of like should we be like this isn't this has never been a problem for us yeah and the fisher's like okay anyway and then throws the lemures at them who is gomumaro who is who comes in as a ball being bounced on the nose by a seal the seal vanishes it's which bothers uh, me did they say a cousin this character yes this this ball is related to the balloon that nearly suffocated mamaru yeah, he's related to the to the watermelon balloon lady. And um, curiously enough, when he gets popped by Tuxedo Mask, and I love Tuxedo Mask's entrance because you just hear the his theme for a bit. And like Gomumaro looks around like he's hearing the theme until he gets hit by a rose and deflates. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, and then he kind of, he doesn't have to do like the hand pump like uh, the watermelon lady did. Uh, he just like sucks in a bunch of air and turns into like a really sort of hideous anthropomorphic creature and then he and tuxedo mask (laughs) physically fight which i can't describe what happens i can't describe this fight you guys just need to see it yeah it's a fun fight it's so funny it's so amusing i love his his weird little serious face on this red and yellow ball yeah it's so funny anyway he gets defeated fisheye disappears um and the episode ends with a new fashion show uh of usui's and it's all ladies in short skirts uh a sailor moon inspired outfit like high pink boots a blue skirt you know just like the whole nine yards and then a beautiful well okay in the show it's beautiful to me it's hideous but it's a big old wedding gown. And then dress. a wedding gown. <laughs> <laughs> I personally, like, the the weird green flocking, I hated. Yeah. It was, uh, it was very of the times. It, it really was. It was, like, the worst parts of, like, 80s and 90s fashion, honestly, that dress. With the, the most giant poof sleeves you could imagine. Big poof sleeves. Wasn't there, like, a big chest bow, too? I don't know. There's just too much. I don't... It wasn't good. But anyways, it, I... Yeah. Anyways, we spent a half hoping, hour talking about this episode. I was kind of hoping they make an, they would make an homage to some of the wedding gowns you see in the manga, which are gorgeous. They never and do. They never they actually take inspiration. Yeah, they never actually take inspiration from the fashion in the manga, which is a serious which is misstep. Insane. I yeah. think probably the closest they've ever gotten is Hotaru's like daily outfit with the black turtleneck uh the leggings and the skirt yeah that's it everything else is just their own 
idea. I guess it's based off of like what women were wearing outside of their studio when they where they were animating. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, the next episode, 141, I'm very happy to announce is a Minako episode. Yay! I love this girl. This one was insane. This episode was insane. It's it's so good because Minako is dating both Tiger's Eye and Hawk's Eye. And everyone keeps saying that she's two-timing them. But you're only two-timing if you're saying both, if you're saying they're your, like, steady boyfriend. boyfriend. Yeah, and she's just dating each of them. There has been no, like, defining the relationship conversation. She's just dating these guys. But it's yeah. very funny because Usagi, Chibiusa, and Amori spot her with Hawk's Eye when they're going to the movies. And so when Usagi's telling everybody at the cafe, Artemis is like, oh, God. And then Diana says, like, is the guy she's dating, does he look like this? And describes Tiger's Eye. And they're like, no. And Diana's like, well, then who is she with? Because she sees Minako with Tiger's Eye outside the window. And Artemis is like, yeah, Minako's dating two men at the same time. And, yeah, again, unless, no one ever brings up, like, have you been exclusively dating? If you see one person, you're apparently locked in forever. Yeah, and and my thought is, like, is that, that's not, that's not a Japanese thing, is it? Like, you can literally only date one person at a time? I don't think so. That's not something that I've seen. I mean, obviously, I've never been to Japan. I've never lived in Japan. But that's not something that I've seen in, you know, more modern dramas. You know, you can date more than one guy. And cheating is also, like, really common and kind of socially acceptable in a really weird way. Like, everyone's like, you shouldn't do this. But also, everybody does this. (laughs) Like, it's genuinely weird how casually everybody takes cheating in relationships. But this is not a relationship. This is Minako meeting two different guys and dating them both. Yeah, just dating. I don't know, maybe it's just that all of the senshi are prudes because, like, Ami is extra horrified, and I love that when Minako comes into the cafe, they confront her about this. They're like, that's not right, you should only do it one at a time, and Minako's like, beauty is such a sin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, obviously we're on Minako's side. um, Because let the girl date, you jealous. Right? She's the goddess of love and beauty. Like, let her date whoever the hell she wants. Yeah. Like, the so only problem the, with this is that Tiger's Eye and Hawk's Eye just seem too old for her as a 15-year-old. That's literally the do. only issue. That's it. Yeah. Because Hawk's Eye even says he's, like, a, he's, Hawk's Eye is pretending to be a college-age student. Yeah. But at least their their actual ages are kind of left ambiguous. Mm-hmm. You know? Because we don't know if he's older than that or if it's just because, you know... He's from a space circus, you know? <laughs> right. It doesn't um, matter. But it's very funny because both Tiger's Eye and Hawk's Eye are aware that they're each dating Minako. Yeah. Because they, they're in a competition because they were assigned to do this by Zirconia. And it's very funny because they're fighting in the circus and Fish like comes up and it's like, you don't have to fight over me. And yeah, they're like, no, they're one, just... no, one, no one's fighting over you guys. <laughs> Like, it's not you. Um, and then, of course, Chibiusa and Pegasus have their thing. And uh, Chibiusa asks if it's possible to love two people at the same time. Um, and they get into talking about the red uh, red thread of fate, which I think we've covered 
on here before because mm-hmm. it kind of comes up with Sailor Venus pretty often. It's a very common trope in Asian romance, partic- like East Asian romance, is uh, if anyone who's listening isn't aware, the red thread of fate is like an invisible thread that is tied to, on your pinky to your soulmate. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really like what Pegasus says, where it's just like, yeah, okay, there's the red thread of fate, but in order to be a good partner, you have to have experience and see lots of people. Yeah. Which is very healthy. Yeah, which, too bad, has no uh, carry-through with anything else. <laughs> no, it, it generally doesn't matter within the story, but I do I do like that that's a message that kids would receive while this was airing, of like, yeah, it's important. You know, like, sure, you want to be with one person. Like, it does emphasize monogamy, but it's also like, hey, date people like learn about yourself by meeting other people learn about what you actually want by meeting other people like don't just yeah. like, look at one person and be like this is this is it this is the only one and never explore you know but that's that's kind of my issue i almost feel like i would have rather him to have just not said anything because there's a different there's sh- you know show don't tell everything they mm. show is absolutely contrary to that message so you can pay lip service to the concept that, well, sometimes you need to date various people, but literally nowhere else in the show do you see that message. Everything else goes back to, well, when I meet the right person, I'll know, you know? Yeah, but it, it is challenged later on, but we'll get to that episode. Um, oh, good. Well, that's yeah. good to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happens in the beach. It happened. They do it again in the beach episode. Uh, I my issue with when they say it then is like okay, but you're also anyway. We'll get to it when we get to it. And yeah. in the next scene, like Artemis is trying to convince Minaka to stop seeing both of these guys and just pick one. And Minaka's like, uh, "Screw you, Artemis! I'll date whoever I want." Uh, again, correct as she should. Yeah, Minaka goes to meet Hawkeye because she has a data range, but then realizes on one side of the statue is Hawkeye and on the other side is Tiger's Eye, and she's like, "Shit, did I invite him for a date?" And so she has to do. She has to date both of these men at the same time on the same day. And of course, she's running back and forth between the two, and everybody's spying because everybody always spies. They're all watching her do this madness. I want to say, in fairness, Artemis is doing it because he's genuinely concerned for her, mm-hmm. and everybody else is doing it because they're looky loos. Yeah, everybody else is not doing it because they have Minako's best interests at heart. Only Artemis is doing that because Artemis is a good boy. Uh, and if you try to challenge me on that, I'll fight you. Oh, I'm, I'm, you're, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> but she does try to do this simultaneous date. So she approaches Tiger's Eye, sends him to get her some juice, and grabs Hawk's Eye and drags him to a movie. And then puts his hand in an old woman's hand. <laughs> I can't so believe she thinks, thought that would work. Oh, I know. It did work for a really long time, pretty much through yeah. the movie. And, you know, so that he thinks she's holding his hand and then, like, runs back to Tiger's Eye. And it's just constant running back and forth and back and forth. And all of her friends are just like, damn, she's really good at this. (laughs) But they do eventually confront her. They're like, this is not sustainable. Like, you can't date both of these men at the same time. Like, okay, it's not great that you're dating both of them to begin with. But it's even worse that you're trying, that you're, this is actually Literally at the same time. Yeah, yeah. this is actual two-timing, because you're trying to date both of them immediately. And she's like, 
yeah, I'm not going. She's like, okay, okay, I'll pick one. I'll pick one. And so because she's been running back and forth, eventually Hawkeye and Tiger's like, do have a standoff in a park? And they're each telling the other to leave until Minako arrives. And they're like, hey, you have to choose. And she's just like, I can't choose. And they're like, you have to choose. And it's just very comedic the way they get their faces up into her face. And she's like, well, then I choose. I choose both of you. And it's great. And they're just like, no, it doesn't work like that. And then the fight breaks out because, of course, it does. Um, they both I trap love it. her. Yeah, they both trap her. I love how when they trap her, like, as soon as, like, the manacles go over her arms and legs, she's like, you tricked me! And they're like, you have some nerve. <laughs> yeah, really, though. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. Um, and of course, they both shove their heads into her dream mirror. Um, and weirdly, this is the only time it's happened so far. As they emerge, they're like, that's a beautiful dream, but they're both blushing really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what did y'all see in her mirror? <laughs> I want to know. Again, there's no way in hell that Minako has a pure dream. <laughs> you know? No. no. Just... <laughs> I guess this would never visit Minako in 100,000 years. Uh, anyway, the other Senshi arrive. We get two Lemures because we have two of the Amazon trio, we got Gitanko and Bakon, and I forgot what their shtick was, but um, Hawkeye and Tigers are each saying that they're the ones in charge, and it's it's very funny. Uh, the two Lemurs have the other Senshi um, off their oh, guard. It's the Seesaw one. That's right, it's the Seesaw one. It's actually really cute, and again, like, the Senshi are stupid. And Minako is so mad that these boys tricked her that she breaks free of the manacles um, after Artemis is like, you have to, like, transform. She's like, yeah, I will, and then breaks out of the, the manacles, henshins, and then sends out a crescent beam. But this time it's a crescent beam of anger, and it's multiple beams, and it really takes everyone out. Like, even Tiger's Eye and Hawks are like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. I love Minako so much. I just sat there and I was like, I need a Sailor V show. Like, I need a Sailor V anime. <laughs> a prequel anime. Oh, it's so good. Anyway. It'd be fun. Tiger's Eye Hawks, I get away. Lemurs are defeated. And then the the episode ends with Minako and Artemis bonding. And we finally get Rishiku Ikimasho. Yay. At last. The, the ending theme. The ending theme that I love, the best ending theme of all of Sailor Moon, a true bop, like, iconic Rishiku Ikimasho, the only thing that makes this season worthwhile. Yes. Watch it. <laughs> Look it up on YouTube. Yeah, for real. Uh, okay, so, episode 142. Uh, I didn't like this episode. Uh, let me see, this one was... This is the one uh, with the old with the old lady oh. in the mansion. Can we just do a quick summary of this one? Because it, it, I don't like this one either. Yeah, I'm going to um, run through this really quick. Isagi and Chibiusa are at a grocery store. They see this mean old lady, like, badger a grocery store employee into giving her an expired deal on food. Um, this old lady leaves, and as she leaves, it starts to rain. And Mamoru is out there, and they meet at the crossing light. And Mamoru offers her his umbrella, and she's really fucking rude to him. She's like, what do you want? Like, I don't know you. Why are you offering umbrellas to strange ladies? And then she walks away. And as Mamoru, like, catches his 
kept, his mind catches up and he starts to cross. He almost gets hit by a truck. And the cats are on the other side of the street and they see what happened. And Diana is so mad because this lady was so mean to her king that she runs after her to scold her, freaking out Luna and Artemis. But the lady is actually really nice to Diana. Like she picks her up, takes her out of the rain, gives her a bath, dries her up, gives her food. Um, but she has three play settings, in- one for her, one for Diana. I said, because she's an adorable kitten. It's true. You, If you don't love Diana, there's nothing anyone can do to save you. You're a monster. You're a monster. You have no soul. You're condemned to hell, whatever. Um, but, like, there's three place settings, one for the lady, one for Diana, one for nobody. And so Mamoru tells everyone what happens at the cafe. Usagi gets unnecessarily jealous of an older woman. Like, Mamoru is like, this woman is older than your mom. Like, I was literally just being nice, and Usagi's just insane. Uh, Ray's like, yeah, everybody knows a single mean lady who thinks everybody's after her money. Mako-chan sees some old man who she thinks is, like, this three-star famous chef who's from Japan, but is, like, a French chef. But, like, why would he be here? Um, this is obviously a Hawksai episode. Uh, Tiger's Eye and Fisheye are disgusting ageists about this woman. Uh, there's a lot of reason to dislike her. This is not one of them. Pegasus tells Chibiusa, like, she was nice to Diana and you have no evidence that she's a bad person. But Chibiusa is like, nah, this lady is sus as fuck. So she goes to her house to chew her out. The French chef guy is there. He tells Chibiusa, like, I'm just a fool in love. And, like, leaves. And Chibiusa is like, never give up on love. And he's like, that's nice. And goes... Uh, and then the lady he's like, just comes like up being missing awkward standing out. So the, yeah, this this chef did. I hate that guy. We, we we see that she's a good chef when she feeds Diana, and mm-hmm. this dude is just like uh, hanging out outside of the house, lingering there. She's obviously mourning somebody, waiting for somebody to come, and he's obviously like not getting up the courage to go speak to her. So he's just being a weirdo, floating around outside like a ghost, you know. Yeah, he's just being a total loser. And so he leaves, and Chibius is standing there. And then the lady comes up and is like, what the hell are you doing here? And Chibius is like, yeah, until the lady sees Diana. is like, okay, never mind. I'll be nice to you because you have the kitten that I like. And, which is fair. Um, which is fair. So she lets Chibiusa <laughs> in and, like, feeds her. And it's like, Chibius is trying to ask questions to figure out what the fuck is up with this lady. Usagi shows up to the mansion, hasn't gotten in yet, but she wants to beat up this lady because Namoru offered her an umbrella. And uh, arrives in time to see some Yakuza guys trying to, like, bust down her gate, like, trying to force her to sell her house. And she's like, okay, you've been here, like, a million times. I'm not going to sell this house. Get the fuck out of here. And the Yakuza guys are just being assholes until Hawkeye shows up and beats him up. And then he's, then he flirts real hard with her. And she's like, I don't fucking know you. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, how do I know this isn't You could be with them. Yeah, she's like, you could be with them. This could be a ploy to take advantage of me. Mm-hmm. And then he just, which is he just, like, actually follow- genuinely smart. Yeah. Which then he just like shows up at her house, you know? He's right. Like, then he's like, okay, fuck I- it. I'm just going to attack, which, you know, yeah. just do which that automatically, Hawkeye. Don't try to win anybody's trust over. You're eventually going to chain them to a board. Yeah. Uh, any- anyway, he attacks, blows up the house. I'm sorry? I said, just cut to the chase, Hawkeye. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, he busts busts through the gate, like, takes down a wall. Um, Chibiusa, like, Diana tells Chibiusa to transform. Like, Usagi's out there, so they both transform. Um, and he sends out the Lemures Autobaiko, which is, like, an evil Knievel-style, like, single giant wheel with, like, a person driving it inside. Um, 
I think Diana's like take the fight outside because they're inside of the house uh, because it's ruining the house the property which we find out the house has some kind of significance she's very possessive of it that's like her whole theme um, yeah. Any anyway, fight. They take the fight outside. Mask and, they take the fight outside. Tuxedo Mask and Sailor Moon and Sailor Tribune Moon take out the Lemurs. Hawkeye is like, this isn't the dream that I'm looking for, and he bails. And so it's Mama Chen Usagi and Chippy Usa who wake up this old woman who's devastated at this house she's been protecting for years is partially destroyed. And then the French chef arrives, and he's like, I'm back. I'm so sorry I left because as it turns out. The two of them were together. They bought this big-ass house with the intention of turning it into a restaurant, and then he one day decides, I'm not good enough, so I'm going to go to France to train as a chef, and then left for 20 years without so much as a phone call or a letter or a visit. And I just sat there like, uh, don't let him back in your life, girl. He abandoned you for 20 years with nothing. And then she's like... I'm so glad it's you. And so, of course, they make up. The house becomes a restaurant. It's stupid. I hate it. That's yeah. it. We're not talking anymore. <laughs> He's the sucks. end. It's bullshit. Start she to could do better. <sighs> like, I don't have a problem with her in the end because it's like, oh, she's a grumpy old lady who thinks everybody is after her house. And like, in all fairness, people were after her house. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so like, I really didn't have a problem with her. It's like, yeah, that's that's fair uh but they're like that dude that dude oh no. god i hated him he's the worst the absolute worst um <laughs> don't trust a man that epi- will leave you the next episode i did find entertaining even though it has some very distinct distinct creepy parts because this one is um the target is a kid a boy from chibiusa school which is not creepy at all yeah um, I don't. So he's like a. I don't mind soft- it as much because it's very clear that what's creepy is considered creepy in universe as well as in real life. Yes, absolutely. So I appreciate that at least. Yeah, yeah, I appreciated that as well. Like everybody was like, uh, <laughs> but we'll get to that. I like that um, even the target was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's hilarious, and that's one reason why I, I actually like. I found this episode entertaining. Um, So there's this boy at school, a blonde kid named Robert, and he's uh, all, all the, like the girls are watching him and he's just like, Oh, um, he's so cute. And they're saying like, even the sixth graders have crushes on him, which I'm like, how old is this child? And then like, afterwards, I feel like to be used as a second grader, this kid looked like he was a little older. So I figure he's like a, fourth grader baby yeah he's he was even taller than kusuke though i know yeah that's why i think he's a a little bit older yeah i i feel like he's a little bit older yeah but after but at that age like at that age like even six months is a big difference that's true especially height wise and chibiusa is short she's Mm -hmm. a short girl so after practice, he asks chibiusa to go out with him and she's basically like uh, she doesn't say anything, actually. He, she doesn't even, like, give him a, a response. And and so he asks for her to meet him at a different place at a different time to give her answer. And, um... Which, honestly, is really nice of him because it's very clear, like, she's not going to be able to give an answer in front of her friends, maybe. Like, that's maybe why she's quiet. And so he's, like, yeah. trying to be herself. It's like, I'll meet you later. 
and you can give me your answer, and then we'll go from there. So I actually yeah. like that he's pretty respectful. Yeah, no, actually, this kid, this character, we don't see a lot from him, but I, I like them. Like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, he's a cool kid. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he seems like a really sweet kid. Yeah. Um. So then she she goes, uh, and Momo, her her girlfriend, her girl pal, girl pal, uh, notices Kusuke's reaction because he gets super jealous and is like, um, this is why I know. don't like girls and <laughs> leaves. Yeah. yeah. And she, <laughs> and she's like, you know, what are you going to say? And she's like, you know, I, I don't know. And, um, I mean, she is straight up. Like I've never even, I didn't even know this kid existed. Yeah, pretty much. She, she she's literally, like, why would I want to date? Yeah. yeah, she's like, why would I want to date a boy when literally until just five minutes ago, I didn't know he existed. Yeah. So she has her chat with Pegasus and um, uh, she's like, you know, this boy is asking me out and he's like, oh, what are you going to tell him? You know, and you can tell he's kind of sad about it, but he's not mm-hmm. being weird about it you know because she's like what do you think i should say what do you think i should do and he's like that's up to you i you know i can't give you advice on that and yeah, which is fair because like, like if somebody is asking you advice and you have feelings for them like obviously anything you say is gonna be biased you know mm-hmm. and uh i like that he He's allowed to be jealous, but he's not standing in her way or telling her what to do. Yeah, exactly. He's not manipulating her. He's not saying, oh, you shouldn't or, you know, fine. He's not being passive aggressive. Yeah, he's just, you know, uh, you know, you can tell he's a little, he's sad, he's hurt, but Mm -hmm. he is not trying to influence her, which is cool, which is sweet, which is like, wow, a healthy dynamic. Look at that. That's so rare. On I know. Show. <laughs> <laughs> it's rare. It's rare sometimes in Sailor Moon and it's really rare in real life. Uh, yeah. You know, like there's no woman alive, regardless of her sexuality, um, uh, who has not had a male friend who does, who reveals that their friendship is alive. <laughs> yeah. And who feels entitled to her, her affections. Yeah, that's, and Pegas- that's never existed. And Pegasus isn't one of those. Nope. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. Um, he's jealous of her future groom, but he's not jealous of a real-life boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, we cut to the trio. And- Before we get to the oh, trio, right, there's the an interstitial scene where Usagi's just eating and the TV is on. And she sees a news report where the news anchors are saying that a Pegasus is going around town assaulting people and breaking into their cars and if you know anything call or fax the news station with information this whole thing is really glossed over like it's even resolved Mm -hmm. in a really weird way so put a pin in that but yeah anyways so there's randomly a a pegasus attacking things uh Mm -hmm. so we get to the trio and um uh, Fisheye has been trying to lure out the Senshi, which we're assuming has to do with the random false Pegasus attacks. Uh, and 
then Fisheye goes for the picture of the little boy. And Tiger's Eye and Fisheye, I mean, Tiger's Eye and Hawk's Eye are like, what are you doing? They're That's really grossed out. Yeah, they're really yeah. grossed out. Tiger's Eye is especially grossed out. And Fisheye is literally saying like, ooh, what a cute boy. Like, I'll be his older sister, like kind of sort of thing. And, and Tiger's Eye is like, that is disgusting. And it's like three episodes ago. You were yeah. like fawning over Mihari's picture. Like, yeah. are you serious? And Fisheye even says, aren't you the one who, in English, says, aren't you the one who said, uh, the younger the better? And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. awkward and creepy. It's, and it's really gross. It, like you said, at least it's acknowledged within the episode that, like, nobody's okay mm. with this. Uh, um, anyway, so Usagi and the Inners are at the Crown Cafe and they're talking about that Pegasus news report. And they're like, we can't tell Chibiusa because she seems really attached to this Pegasus thing. Again, nobody is a- is actually interrogating anybody about what they know because they never ask Chibiusa, like, hey, why why do you have this bell? Why are you so attached to this Pegasus? Do you see this Pegasus outside? Never. They never ask that. Um, but Chibiusa does arrive because she wants um, advice on Robert and they, you know, hide all information related to the Pegasus attacks. And it's really cute because they all immediately turn into big sister mode, except for Ami, who's like, aren't we supposed to be concentrating on our jobs? And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> that can wait. It can wait. They're like, no, this is important. Because, like, Mako and Rayer are, are more emphatic. They're they're kind of like, you know, you should give him a chance. You should date him. And Chibius is like, yeah, but I don't love him. And they're like, well, you don't know him. You know? Yeah. Like, love at first sight. Because Isagi's just like, that's how it was for me and Momo. And they're like, you don't count. <laughs> yeah. And really, it wasn't. Like, they didn't like each other at first. They really... Right. Right. So it's just like... And also, like, they have literally, like, a whole past life entanglement. So it's just like, you really don't count because you're a total freak of nature. Um, Yeah. But they encourage... You know, it's like, she's like, but I don't even... I didn't even know he existed. And they're like, okay, that's fine. But you... That doesn't mean you don't have to give him a chance. Like, you have to take risks like these and get to know different people. Get to know people. Date. Yeah, they're yeah. like, date, you know, like, you'll know love when you see it. And then Chibiusa's like, yeah, like, love is like when you always want to be around the person and like, all sorts of things. And she's saying it with such passion that all of them are shocked. And Minako's like, hey, girl, you in love? Yeah, that it sounds like you're in love. It's like, are you already interested in someone else? Um, right. And Chibiusa gets so embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. And she winds up at the table. She goes to check out the news. She spots the newspaper with the article and she winds up on the table. Well, she jumps on the table to grab Usagi's food as like a distraction from her embarrassment. And then in grabbing the food, because like she and Usagi fight over the plate, it Mm -hmm. moves things so that now she can see the newspaper. And she's furious that they're sitting here talking about Pegasus being their enemy when he's only ever supported them. Yeah. So, um, she goes to meet with Robert, and she sees Usagi following her and calls her out. Uh, the others are following, too, but, um, she doesn't see the others. And they're like, oh, wow, she's really sharp. Maybe we should follow from further away. (laughs) It's pretty great. And meanwhile, Fisheye has, like, zeroed in on Robert, and, um... I think Fisheye was probably, I'm reading, I'm looking over your notes, and Mm. I I think Fisheye was probably less creepy in English. Uh, Yeah, in in Japanese, he's he's like, because Robert's waiting by one of the the soccer goals, 
and Fisheye comes up and is uh, like the first words he says to Robert are, do you like pretty older ladies? And Robert, I don't think he, Robert like fully heard what he said, but like sees that someone is talking to him. And then Fisheye kind of gets a little less creepy in talking to him. But Robert's like, why is an adult talking to me? Yeah. In, in English, uh, does not say that. <laughs> oh, thank I, God. I, yeah, I think in English, um, he just walks up and what is it? It just says, he just says something like, um, uh, is practice over? Are you done with practice already? Or something like that. Yeah, that is um, fully not what he says. Like, he literally says, like, uh, I don't remember the full phrase in Japanese, but he calls himself an onesama. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, what the definitely. F- what are not you doing? It's really yeah. not okay. In in English, it's definitely awkward, but it's not nearly, it's not predatory, or at least not overtly not... predatory. Um, sure. Um, and it's funny we... because, sorry. Oh, uh, so yeah, you do, it, you can see, he does, like, the little boy does blush, like, you can see, like, initially he's a little flustered, but they have a cutaway, and then when they cut back, he's like, don't you have any of your own friends to hang around? Yeah, he's Which literally bored by Fisheye. He's literally bored by Fisheye talking to him. He's just sitting on the steps with yeah. Fisheye. He's just talking. And then is like, uh, look, man, don't you have anybody your own age to hang out with? I'm actually yeah. waiting for somebody. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, really good punch <laughs> to Fisheye's ego there. It's so great. So, of course, this is when Fisheye attacks him and Isagi and Shibiusa show up and, you know, do their henshin. And that's when we get the Lemurizma Washitaro-kun, who is a super muscly guy in a Pegasus outfit. Like, the Pegasus outfit has muscles. It's amazing. (laughs) It's like a merry-go-round theme. Yes. Uh, Mawaru is the uh, verb in Japanese that means to spin. Mm. So that's why mawa. Mawaru, Mawaru, yeah. Uh, anyway, so he's the guy that's been posing as, like, the Pegasus that uh, is has been attacking people, and he spins and creates a dome around Fisheye, the Moons, Robert, and himself, so the Senshi can't get in. Like, Chibiusa does the twinkle yell, but, like, the dome forms over and blocks out Pegasus before he can get in and power up the Moon Gorgeous Meditation. And so Pegasus turns to the other senshi because they can't break in. And he's like, I can give you the power to break through this. And they're like, we don't even know if we can trust you. You might be an enemy based off of like the newspaper things. And he's like, okay, if you don't trust me. And then tries to like ram his way through the dome. Whereas meanwhile, inside of the dome, Fisheye is like, haha, I have you now. And starts throwing knives at Chibi Moon and Sailor Moon. And completely misses every time. And he's like, stop, like, what? Stop moving. And and they're like, you're just bad at knife throwing. Yeah. They're literally standing still. Standing completely still. And he misses, like, what, like, six or seven knives? I don't know. It's pretty funny, though. It's great. Uh, anyway, Pegasus tries to ram through this dome. And he can't get through it. And he, like, collapses. And finally the sentry are like, okay. You know, clearly you care, so we'll trust you. Why does Pegasus have the power to 
give them an upgrade, but not enough power to break the dome. I don't know. Again, I have a lot of issue with this because it makes it so that in this whole season, the Senshi aren't drawing on their own power. It all comes from this horse. And you know, they really they're don't, not, they don't really don't sufficiently explain his uh, significance. Like, yeah, Helios had way more significance in the manga and they don't nearly make him as, as important power wise in the manga. Anyways, it's, it's very strange, very strange choices. Yeah, we are 16 episodes into the season and we still don't really know what the actual goal is for the enemy or for Pegasus. Like, we don't know anything. Yeah. Anyway, so they go from star power to crystal power. I'm not a fan of the fact that, like, we never got them to planet power in S, but, you know, whatever it is, what it is. Um, They use... Their attacks are still, like, the star power attacks as sparkling light pressure, etc. And they break the bubble. Pegasus now can power up Moon Gorgeous Meditation. Mawashitaro-kun is defeated. Fishai retreats. And then at the end, it's Chibiusa and Robert. Yep. And she rejects him. And she rejects him. Uh, which is fine. She she did, wasn't obligated to date him. Uh, and he takes it really well he's just kind of like oh okay and then he you know he laughs a little awkwardly and he's like you know no one's ever rejected me but like okay i guess yeah yeah like you know again he seems like a cool kid it's like Mm -hmm. he takes it really well and uh calls it he does yeah he does ask like oh is there someone else that you like you know like maybe it's just like well do i have a chance at all or you know we don't get anything beyond that but chibiusa doesn't answer him um, and all of the girls are spying on Chibiusa in this moment with Robert, and Ami's like, we really shouldn't be doing this, and uh, yeah. then they get spotted by Chibiusa. Yeah, well, they get also get caught because Usagi flips out because she realizes she's missing her date with Mamoru, and then during that uproar is when Chibiusa's like, hey, I hear you! You're right there! <laughs> you know? um, oh, yeah. So we got, we got two more episodes to go here. Yeah. Uh, we are we're at the hour mark. Yep, we're so. going to keep going. These last All couple right. episodes have been an hour and a half. All right. Um, we're not we're not breaking these episodes down anymore. That's fine. I want to get through this ASAP. Uh, so, episode 144, beach episode, beach episode. Um, the girls, minus Ami and Chibiusa, are peering over boys on the beach with binoculars until three boys approach their group to ask if they want to swim with them or like hang out with them or whatever. And the girls look at them, assess and then go and then call for Shingo who like pops up out of the sand behind them it's and so acts funny. like it's so funny. Cause he like saunters forward and acts like he's their pimp and is like, what do you want with my ladies? Like, what do you guys want? What do you want? What do you want? And the boys are like, eh, never mind. And apparently they've been doing that the whole day, that if they get approached by guys they don't like, they just send Shingo. <laughs> yeah. And um, I guess they said Mamoru couldn't come, so Shingo came as yeah. their bodyguard. Yeah, Mamoru had to study for school, so Shingo is there instead. And he's like, which I don't is... know why I'm doing this for you people. <laughs> yeah, which is cute. Like, we don't see Usagi's little brother that often anymore. So it's like, hey, Shingo, cool. Yeah, you know? I really like that we got to see, like, Shingo properly instead of, like, in the background, like, with Miharu and in the, the Lemon Meringue episode. Yeah, you yeah, know, I mean, like sometimes, this 
he just vaguely exists. You know, it was mm-hmm. nice to see him being himself, his little bratty self. I know, it's so cute. Um, so, Ami and Chibisa show up, because they've gone swimming, and Shingo blushes, because Shingo has a huge crush on Ami, and it's so cute. Which is cute. And I don't know the age difference. I know that Shingo is in elementary school, but, like, in ten years, this could work. Yeah, yeah. If, but he's, I mean- if he's 12. Right now, you know, right now it's just very cute. But, like, if, like, maybe in their 20s, like, this is something that I could potentially ship. This was never something I thought of. Yeah, yeah. But um, Ami, I mean, and they're young. She's under 16, isn't she? Isn't she? Yeah, she's 15, she's 15 at this she's point. 15, or, like, so- she might, this is, well, it's the summer and her birthday's in September, so she might still be 14. Yeah, so realistically, she might only be, like, two or three years older than him. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. it's, but it's not creepy, because I, Shingo has a crush on her, but it's not reciprocated. She just likes yeah. him as a friend. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's very wholesome. It's a very cute, wholesome relationship. And it's, yeah, I kind of thought the same thing, which is, like, actually, as adults, I could see that working. Right? Um, it's very cute. Yeah, and then Ami and Usagi would be uh, sister-in-laws, and I like that idea. <laughs> like, Usagi would start crying. She would be so happy right. to have Ami as, like, a sister. She'd be like, I'm not your in-law, I'm your sister. Right, it would be precious. <laughs> um, and Ami would, you know Ami would love to be part of that family, because her family's so detached. Oh, yeah, it's great. Anyways, we're like, we could so see it working in the future. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Isha has to write a fan fiction now. Oh, um, God. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm, I don't... Anyway, we're not talking about fan fiction. Um, yes, Julia, I know you're absolutely going to message me after this. Anyway, in the Dead Moon Circus, <laughs> Zirconia is yelling at the trio for being bad at their jobs. And she's like, you have to target this girl. And she throws a picture of Ami at them. And all three of them are like, uh... She doesn't look like she'd go for us. Like, we don't think we could get her. Yeah. <laughs> and, Which is and so, of course, Zirconia... Yeah, Zirconia is like, how are you so bad at your job that you can't get this one girl? And, like, berates them until Tiger's Eye takes on the challenge. So they go to the beach... And, like, they sit at, like, a booth and they plot to catch Ami. And so Tiger's Eye decides to implement this plan by approaching them, by approaching the group while they're getting shaved ice. And Ami and Shingo has theirs first. So Tiger's Eye bumps into Ami to make her drop her snow cone and then is, like, immediately super repentant, like, begs her forgiveness for bumping into her. And then it's like, I dropped your snow cone. Let me buy you another one. You know, like, to really make up for it, I have a private beach. Why don't I take you there? <laughs> and all of Which the girls, as soon as they hear private... Oh, my God, not even a little bit. All the girls, as soon as they hear the words private beach, like, come up and they're like, hell yeah, we all want to go to your private beach. And Tiger's Eye is like, what? No, I only met her. Like, internally, he doesn't say this out loud, thank God. But he's just like, what is happening? Who are these pushy girls? And he recognizes Minako, and he's like, oh my god, not her. <laughs> yeah, which is hilarious. He's like, it's that two-timer. <laughs> he's like, oh my god, it's her. What it's is she so doing funny. here? It's so funny. And Ami immediately is like, I'm not going with you. You don't need to replace my snow cone. I'm not going to your private beach. Like, which that's is the it. proper, Which is the proper response correct i was just sitting there clapping for ami like good job girl good job you understand safety protocols and she leaves 
And the girls later, you know, when they return to their towels, they're just like, why didn't you take him up on his offer? Like a private beach would be hella cool. Like in the moment, they're like, oh, you know, it would have been nice to go to a private beach. But, you know, if Ami doesn't want to go, she doesn't want to go. But later they're like, why did you do that? Yeah. And Ami's like, he was a stranger. I don't know him. And he's offering me a private beach. Like, I'm not going to go with some strange man over something as silly as a dropped snow cone. And this is when they say, like, yeah, but you're never going to get to know a man if you're like, well, you're a stranger and I'm not going to bother with you. And Ami's like, well, I think that if I meet the right person, I'm just going to know. And I think it's Ray who's like, look, honey, if you're not more proactive, you're going to walk right past your destined man. And Ami's like, okay, I guess you're kind of right. But, like, none of them are like, we should go find Tiger's Eye. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on Ami's side of, like... No, if a man comes on this strong and I don't fucking know him and I have no oh, yeah. background, like, if a man comes to me and is like, let me take you to my private beach and I don't know his name. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. That's a big, big red flag. No. No, thank you. No. No. Something similar happened to me once on a dating app where I was essentially propositioned and I was like, I don't even know if this is your real name. Seriously. <laughs> it's like, no, thank you. I don't want to get murdered. Anyways. <laughs> I was like, excuse me? I've only asked two of my five requisite questions. No. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, they try to have a regular day. Um, Ami and Shingo go out on an inflatable boat on the ocean while the others stay back. Uh, Shingo is like, I was really surprised to hear you talking about, like, romance and, like, true love and all of that. Like, because isn't your dream to be a doctor? And um, however difficult it is to be a doctor in the United States, it's way harder in Japan. <laughs> Um, but Ami is just like, yeah, you know, I do, but as the only child of a single mother, you know, I have a very small family and I've always wanted to have a family like you and Usagi, you know, to have that kind of warmth and that companionship. And, you know, if I had to, I would be willing to give up on that, on being a doctor, if that meant I could have an intact family. Which is really sweet. It is, you know. And it's, like, the way she says it, not, it's not the, it's not, I'd be willing to give it all up for a man, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I think I'd be willing to trade that dream for another dream, you know, I think I'd be able to trade that yeah. dream for a family, which is sweet, you know? Yeah, what she wants to give up is not, you know, is not for a man, it's for love, Yeah, like, different kinds of love, the, like, romantic love paternal love sibling love like there's so much there's so many kinds of love (laughs) that are bound up in a family like that so it's just like which she's never really been able to experience so yeah it's really cute and then tiger's eye shows up on an inflatable shark uh and ruins everything and is like i really have to offer to take you to the private is it a dolphin i thought it was a shark it's a dolphin I thought it was a shark, but I, I'm wrong. <laughs> and Shingo gets pissed and essentially tells him to fuck off. And Tiger's eye is like, screw you. And like pops the bottom of his side of the boat. So he falls through into the water um, and he starts to drown. And Ami immediately jumps after him. And this whole time, like the, the current has changed and it has taken them really far out away from the beach. Um, so Ami goes to save Shingo. We cut to Saki and the others who are searching for both of them because the sun is setting and they haven't seen them all day and they're getting really worried. And then the boat washes up on shore, completely deflated. 
And so we cut to Ami, Tiger's Eye, and an unconscious Shingo in, like, a tiny cave, which might be, like, on a separate part of the beach that's not easily accessible. Some kind of like, Yeah. And Ami's like, oh, shit, Shingo's not breathing, and starts to do uh, CPR. And it's generally accurate CPR. She doesn't do enough um, compressions, but she does do proper chest compressions. And at that time, it was appropriate to do more breaths right now. Like, they don't recommend the breaths if someone's in cardiac arrest. But she does the breaths. He does wake up. And, like, while she's doing the CPR, Tiger's Eye is like, why are you bothering with this child? Like, just let him die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just Ami's so like, on the nose. Oh, my God. Ami's straight up like, no, he's my friend. He's a dear friend, and I don't want him to die. Don't you have any friends? And, you know, she doesn't say much more than that because she's busy trying to bring Shingo back to life. And Tiger's Eye stands there and he's like, what is a friend? Do I have friends? Yeah, Are friends really there, that important? He sits there and it seems for a minute like he's going to have a crisis. And then he's like, I oh, forget it. I don't need friends. And uh, Well, he, he has that realization as soon as, like, Shingo regains consciousness uh, and is like, thanks. And then, like, Tiger's Eye's like, eh, whatever, friends suck. I, like, that's not something I care about. And is like, anyway, it's time to attack. And Shingo tries to defend Ami and immediately gets knocked out by Tiger's Eye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> poor thing. Bless his heart. Um, and uh, Super Sailor Moon and Super Sailor Chibi Moon appear as soon as, like, Ami gets strapped to the board. Uh, he send, Tiger's Eye sends out uh, Panko the Pandemonium. Or Panko, and she's like a clown that like it's kind of like a lottery wheel or like a bingo wheel or like a roulette wheel with like colored balls and like depending on the color you win a prize like this is something that I've seen in like anime and manga that like just exists on the side of a road like a star will be like if you get this color you'll win a trip to Hawaii or something like that oh like for raffles yes that's what she is She's like yeah. a raffle dispenser. Uh, um, I I couldn't figure out what she was. <laughs> that's what I don't she, know why. That's what she was, because it's just like, what color, what color? And so they guess the color, and then like the wrong color ball pops out, and she throws it at them, and it's a bomb. Uh, and she's constantly hitting her boobs, yeah. which like, pom-pom is like the sound of like hitting boobs. Like, that's the okay. sound effect. Yep. <laughs> Anyway, like, a whole thing that happens. happens. Uh, <laughs> that happens. Tuxedo Masks appears, and the, the moons are surprised, because they're like, what are you doing here? And he was just, like, not even studying can, like, deny the power of love. You know? Like, implying that he felt that their need and was pulled to them. It's very funny. Uh, anyway, Panko is doing another ball draw and Ami shouts you know plug up her mouth so she can't keep doing this so Tuxedo Mask throws his hat and it fit in like the top hat part just lodges in her mouth uh, and then she's defeated Tiger's Eye bails out and Shingo wakes up on the beach and he's like as soon as he wakes up and he sees Ami he's like shit where's this guy that's attacking us and she reassures him that you know Sailor Moon was here she took care of it and he was just like, I'm so sorry that I couldn't protect you, that I failed in my duty as, like, a man. And she was like, if you hadn't stood up to defend me, Sailor Moon might not have arrived in time to help. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very sweet. It is really sweet. It's very it's, cute. 
It's so cute. Anyway, um, I like the speech episode for Ami and Shingo and nothing else. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> it's a cute episode. Um, uh, 145. The last one for this episode. Uh, I hate this episode. It's a ballet episode. I wish I could have liked it because I do actually like ballet. Um, I hate this. Usagi decides she wants to be a ballerina because she passed by and saw auditions for Giselle, which is a ballet. Um, and she's like, I'm going to sign up for, like, me and Chibiusa are going to sign up for this school, and we're going to become prima ballerinas. And I just sat there like, you can't. <laughs> like, in order to become a prima ballerina, you have to start training at the age of three. And, like, maybe 0.01% of all those girls can become a prima. Like, <laughs> there are not enough troops uh, in I the mean- world. I mean, is is being prima violi- uh, sorry is being prima ballerina like being first chair in an orchestra? Do you know? Yeah, but slightly more important. Okay, because it's, it's an even like, bigger deal than that, right? But I mean, there are smaller um, ballet troops, and each one has a prima. Right, this is your lead, right? Yeah. It's so, I mean, you don't have but, to be but, like... A- but but she also says, like, first Japan, then the world. And it's, yeah, like, honey. Yeah, those aspirations <laughs> are a little big. But, I mean, there's, <laughs> studying ballet wasn't going to do her any harm, though. You know? No, it's not. But I was just really annoyed that, like, they're just like, anyway, we're going to join this ballet company and we're going to be in this ballet. And it's like, can you do a plie? Yeah. But, I like, mean, she's you? a 14-year-old girl. I don't care. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't I mean, care. Ballet is very hard. Show respect. It is very hard. And she's a teenage girl and she's starting something new. I don't know. I had no problem with that. It's just like, good for her. She and, should give that a try. She's not going to be good at it because she's not very coordinated. But she'll get some good exercise out of it. You know? Sure, sure. And the, and the, well, the problem isn't just Usagi feeling that way. It's all of the others also thinking that way. Yeah. Because Isagi and Shibi used to sign up for this school, and they want to audition for Giselle, and Shibi used to tell she's too young, so she can't. Um, but she's still allowed to, to learn. To the and then the other four, yeah, and then the other four show up with the addition of Fisheye, who's like, I'm going to get this ballet coordinator. Um, and so all of them suck, and I'm really, I was really surprised that they were doing that they didn't start off with, like, first position, second position, third position, fifth position, because, like, that basic footwork is important. Like, that's the foundation. Okay. I can't do any of those. But, but like, in all fairness, the teacher was garbage. So. The teacher was so bad. He's so bad at all of it. He's not a good teacher. He's not a good coordinator. I hate this guy. Anyway, everybody struggles except for Fisheye, who's, like, fabulous. Um, like, nobody else can really do bar. I think at one point, like, one of them, like, literally kicks the other dip, kicks another one down. I don't think it was Usagi or Chibiusa. It was one of the inners. Um, but Fisheye is doing really well, and the coordinator is really impressed. Um, previously, the coordinator was scolding another ballerina named Kiriko, where he was telling, like, all, like, Usagi and the senshi, you know, like, good, good, keep working on it, keep working on it. For Kiriko, he's just scolding her. And they're like, why is he scolding her? She's actually really, really good. And he's uh, like, you're going to be, Giselle is going to become a fairy, so you need to detach from your humanity. It's like, bro, what? 
It's like, okay, that's not, like, first of all, that's not how ballet works. So, <laughs> yeah. Which, she, Giselle turns into a fairy, which means she was human at first. Yeah. Which, <sighs> like, so he turns his attention to Fisheye, because Fisheye's very talented, but Fisheye um, lacks emotion. So yeah. he's like, oh, yes, that's the quality I need in my Giselle. So he pulls Fisheye aside to, uh, after class, and starts working with Fisheye, and uh, Kiriko assumes that she's lost the role. And well, he Fisheye basically says it out. He's got. He says it out loud. He's just know? like you're perfect. Yeah, he says like Fisheye is perfect for the role of Giselle. And so yeah. Usagi and the Senshi hear this, and they're like, "Oh shit, Kiriko's been replaced." Kiriko hears this, and she's like, "Oh my god, I've been replaced." And Fisheye is pleased because he wants to be Giselle. Yeah. Because Fisheye is a diva and always wants to be the center of attention, as he should Which is be. perfectly <laughs> fine. Which is perfectly fine. And if this was yeah. a Swan Lake and he had to play, like, the double role of Odette and Odile, Fisheye would be perfect. Oh, yeah. He would. He'd I highly fantastic. support Fisheye. Fisheye is technically perfect, but emotionally not there. Um, no. Anyway, so because Kiriko runs off crying, Usagi and the others find her. And they to cheer her up, they're like, you know, you've worked really hard. You're a really good ballerina. You know, like this can't be the end all like you have to be back into the ballet you should talk to this the the coordinator you should talk to Yamagishi sensei uh and she's like yeah you know you're right I shouldn't just run away crying I should you know I should even if I'm not Giselle I should still work really hard at ballet like the ballet is what's important not my role in it yeah obviously (laughs) and Shibiusa asks Pegasus like why would this guy be so cruel to Kiriko because she's really good at ballet and I don't remember what Pegasus says but like my whole brain was like it's ballet it is cutthroat oh there was a scene really early on where like Usagi puts her foot in her in her flats and there's a thumbtack in it and she was like how could anybody want to do this to a sweet girl like me and Shibiusa's like you put that in there yourself when you wanted to pretend like you were being attacked uh, it was because she they saw a drama the night before where that happened. Yeah. And anyways, she like you did you did this to yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's but, a, it's very cute. It's a very cute moment. It is funny. But anyways, so back to where we were. Um, yeah. So the teacher, the teacher is seriously a dick, though. Um, oh my god, the worst dude! I was not mad when he got attacked. I was like, no, he deserves this. Yeah, he kind of does, um, because, you know, he's working with Fisheye, and then he's like, okay, perfect, I have everything I need to help Kiriko become the best Giselle she can be. And Fisheye is like, hang on, what? I thought I was going to be Giselle. And he's like, oh, no, I never had any, any attention of making you Giselle. It's been Kiriko all along, which it's implied that there is... It's implied that Kiriko is inter- is romantically interested in Yamagishi, and it's kind of implied that it's mutual, which is mm-hmm. really not appropriate for a student-teacher relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Fisheye gets pissed off. At, uh, as he uh, should. Yeah, as he should. Kiriko comes in and um, is there. And so Fisheye attacks Kiriko to knock her back before attacking Yamagishi to... Kiriko arrives in time to hear Yamagishi say, like, no, Kiriko is Giselle. It's always going to be Kiriko. And that's why I just sat there, like, open mouth, like, man, we all heard you say you wanted Fisheye as Giselle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, ten people in this episode heard you say 
you wanted fisheye as Giselle. Like, where is this coming from? Like, oh, you misunderstood me. Like, no, bruh, you spoke in plain Japanese slash English. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so no, this is another episode. Like, some of the other episodes, I know fisheye is the bad guy. And it's just like, uh, I still kind of think it screwed up how it played out. Uh, I'm still kind <laughs> of on fisheye's side just to be, uh, an, you know, anti- um, Devil's Advocate. Uh, ad, yes, thank you, Devil's Advocate. I'm still kind of on Fisheye's side. This side, I feel, I, this episode, I feel like it's unambiguous. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Un- like, totally warranted. Wrong. <laughs> anyway, Kiriko, em- Kiriko embraces Yamagishi-sensei for restoring her to the Giselle part, and that's a Fisheye Blaster. <laughs> yeah. So Fisheye Blaster, oh. and then traps uh, traps the teacher, and uh, of course Sailor Moon and Chibiusa are there. We meet they our... Were, so they oh. were there before because they had forgotten some equipment. Yeah. And when they hear all the ruckus, that's when they come back out as, as uh, the Sailor Moons. Yeah. So we get... Um, I actually like the monster of this episode. Um, His name is Kurumi Wario. Yeah, and he's like a nutcracker. He's a nutcracker. Kurimi Wario, the nutcracker. He's beautiful. He's pretty hilarious. I like his his voice actor in English. He sounds ridiculous. And he shows up, and he's so weird that Chibiusa's like, "Should we just like kill him outright?" Yeah, the banter is pretty great. They're straight up like, "Do we even want to like mess around with whatever his gimmick is? Should we just? (laughs) (laughs) Should we just?" Should we just attack now? Uh, so they do get in a fight, and he, like, he kind of, like, starts with just kind of a performance, and they're like, oh, cool, good job, you're great. And then he, he like, throws a tutu on Usagi, which is too tight, and she gets fat-shamed. She had been fat-shamed earlier in the episode, too. Which is so stupid, because, like, all these girls are already, like, super skinny ridiculously Mm -hmm. so anyways because it's anime and uh and they make a joke of it because she's it's slightly tight so it causes a slight bit of a muffin top and it's just like y'all need to stop with this uh but the tutu Mm -hmm. forces her to spin and anyways it's gimmicky It, it is whatever um but because uh, I think the reason why the tutu breaks is because Sailor Moon is quote unquote too fat, um, which is stupid, but like it stops her from spinning. Tuxedo Mask appears. Anyway, the, the thing is defeated, but like at the end of it, like even Tuxedo Mask says to Sailor Moon, like, maybe you should lose a little weight, which. Just fuck you. <laughs> I was like, how fucking dare you? You're never yeah, allowed to say that you. ever again. No. I was, I was so, so I was offended. so mad. Yeah. Anyway. Um, the episode ends with the Giselle performance. Ray's actually in a super great outfit. She's wearing like this red crop top and like these black jeans and she looks so good. Yeah. I just want to say like we never, again, like the streetwear outfit that Usagi was wearing in the fashion designer episode. Like I wish we could see this outfit more and I know we're not going to. Yeah. But oh anyway, yeah, the- I, I totally <laughs> forgot that they they were like um, there was a role selected for Usagi that he said was going to be perfect oh, yeah. for her, and they kind of end on a joke because they have um, Kiriko dancing as Giselle and all that stuff, and then they zoom in on Usagi's part and she's just like she's the moon, 
It's just like the moon is on the set and her face is there and that's like it. And it's just like. Yeah, she's hanging from the ceiling as the moon. And it's like, okay, but why though? Yeah, I'm just like, that doesn't make any sense. But I know. You know what? Like, I'm okay with the joke. Like, it's, uh, it's uh, not the worst they could have gone for. It's stupid. It was stupid. It was, it was stupid. But, it like, just was there. It just wasn't funny. <laughs> this is the second episode in a row of the podcast where we've ended on an episode that annoys us. Uh, I mean, I feel like that's happening a lot this season in general. <laughs> but at least I feel like this batch of episodes, there were a lot more entertaining episodes than there were that's true. ones. Than there was last time. Yeah. 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 Because um, I think we only... have only. Sorry, continue. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like there were only two out of the batch, like this last one and the one with the older woman that were just like. I did not enjoy watching the episode, you know, all the rest of them were entertaining. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's just we it just sucks to end on a low note, but we only have four more episodes. (laughs) I think we only have four more episodes with the Amazon trio and then we get the Amazon as quartet. Yay. So I'm really excited for that because I'm I'm surprising I'm surprised by how much I'm over the Amazon trio because I remember really enjoying them. And this time around, I'm just like, I, okay. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't age well and their motivation is still very confusing. Like it would be okay. Yeah, we just don't have enough backstory. Well, there is no reason for them to like seduce the people that they're trying to trap. It's entirely superfluous to what winds up happening. There's, you know, it's like, they didn't even build it in where it's like, in order to access their dream, you must first access their heart or something like that, you know? Where it's like, you right. need to get some kind of emotion out of them before you can access their dream. Nothing like that. When it when the seduction doesn't work, they can just be like, oh, whatever, and trap them anyways. So, yeah. It, like, the only reason for them to put on these characters and deceive them and try to, to, to seduce them is just because they feel like it, I guess. They don't Again, it's one of those... Clear, and it makes it very uncomfortable. The whole thing's just very uncomfortable. It's one of those things where instead of spending time on developing enemies that we know are going to get destroyed in the end, they should have spent time fleshing out the senshi. And then having the enemies come in as monsters of the week. Yeah. You know, that would have been fine. You know, so they spend so much time with the enemies and not enough time with the girls. It's very frustrating. Anyway, (laughs) let's uh, call it there. It's uh... yeah, I I don't remember anything that happens with the Amazonist Quartet. So I'm excited to see what happens with that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So join us next time for episodes 146 to... Uh, 151? 146 to 151? Anyway, we'll figure it out next time. Something (laughs) like that. Something like that. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at Oshiokiopod or contact us through email at Oshiokiopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks as always to Barbara Daly for the use of her artwork. Please rate and review us wherever you find us or Tsukini Kawate Oshiokiop!